Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. This is What Do You Know About That? A radio show about anything and everything happening in our community, our city, and our world. Here are your hosts, Eric Gershnow and Mary Angela Saavedra. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to What Do You Know About That? Hey, Eric. How's it going, Mary Angela? It is going well. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was wonderful. How was your Thanksgiving? (laughs) It was good, considering we spent it together. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It was great. I hope everyone listening had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, it is the season. We are here. We have reached the holiday season. We're in the throes. Everyone's shopping like crazy, right? I mean, I'm literally getting 23 emails a day. It's ridiculous. 23 emails? Yes, a day of just like, buy this, this discount, this special. Black Friday extended, extended discounts, 50% off. I'm like, stop, stop it. If I haven't responded to your first 15 emails, I'm not going to respond to this one. I don't care how much you offer me off. It's crazy. I mean, I kind of feel like it's really no different than any other day I get a bunch of junk email, but you know. No, I feel like it's more, but yes. And when you unsubscribe to them, it doesn't stop them from coming. It doesn't seem to be the case, does it? Yeah. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. I've unsubscribed from one particular thing like four different times, and I'm still getting stuff. Hmm. But it's You're okay. So lucky. Yeah, I know. I know. Small first world problems, right? That's what they call it. <laughs> What's that? First world problems. First world problems. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's fine. Worst things oh, in my life. My cappuccino maker's broken right. again. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you want to talk about what's going on in the neighborhood? Well, I think you're quite anxious to talk about what's going on in the neighborhood, so please indulge. I will. I will. So there's a few different things going on in our neighborhood right now. Um, One that I think everyone should really know is that the Best Buy in Willow Grove is offering free electronics recycling right now. So What? Yeah. They recycle just about Anything with a plug except for TVs and monitors. They are not taking TVs or monitors, Hmm. probably because they have a thousand of them. But anything else with a plug, they'll take. They'll take um, old cords, cameras, empty ink cartridges, etc. They remove all the chemical, um, hazardous chemicals from donated products. Um, So... If you're looking to get rid of some electronics and some stuff with a plug that you don't know what to do with and it's not functional anymore, um, the Best Buy in Willow Grove. Also, Runaround and Roslyn will recycle any old used sneakers. Both stores have a box in front of the store for donations. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So so check out those places if you're looking for a place to recycle something with a plug or recycle sneakers. I thought that was okay, really so cool. Okay, so Best Buy, they won't recycle things that take batteries. They won't. I know there's places that do recycling of battery-operated devices. Right. Well, that wasn't posted on my neighborhood group. I'm wah, sorry. Wah. <laughs> no, but that's good to know. Yeah. I was like, I thought that was helpful, especially this time of year as you're about to get a whole bunch of new electronics. That's right. You got to place, replace your old <laughs> and electronics sneakers. new ones. So now you know where to take them. First world uh, problems. Right. First world problems. Um, <laughs> another interesting thing that is happening now, remember we talked about um, the people who were taking the pumpkins during you know right. October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now a new thing is happening around the neighborhood where random porch furniture is showing up. So- 
This person posted up. Yes, this po- this person posted a picture, which means it came from somewhere else. Okay, but they posted a picture of their front yard, where they have two lovely chairs, and they have um, a white circle table that's like there in the middle of their two chairs. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday they came home to find another table, a little like gray table, <laughs> and a white chair. Um, sitting on their porch and they were like it's not ours and we didn't put it here which means it came from somewhere else um so we're wondering you know they basically asked has anyone seen anything like this happening lately in front of their home or on their street basically here's this furniture that is not ours that was here when we returned musical porch furniture right and so then I started thinking about the pumpkins, right? Because I kept saying what was happening to the pumpkins that were being taken. Do you think they were showing up on other people's porches? Like people came out and were like, ooh, more pumpkins. And I wondered what was happening to them, right? I kept saying, like, where are they going? Maybe this is what's happening. What's the motivation? I, I don't understand. And that's really what the comment thread, the comment thread on this one is about 21 comments long. And everyone's kind of back and forth about like, I don't know. Somebody said maybe it's landscapers. Like maybe they were working on someone else's yard and had to like move it out of the way and then forgot to take it back. But I feel like you would recognize them if they were from, you know, close proximity to your house. Right. Like if it's a chair and a table that was your next door neighbors, you'd be like for someone to just kind of throw something onto your front yard. But to say go through the effort of putting it on your front porch next to your other porch furniture? Well, they didn't, like, stage it well. Like, it's definitely not useful. It's just like, boom, here's this chair and this table randomly now on your porch also. Where it's like, oh. I mean, my thought is that somebody was probably taking it, probably going to take something else from these people's porch and then maybe got spooked. (laughs) Like, maybe something startled them and they were like, I'm out. And they just left it there and ran off. Like, is that something that happens? I guess. Right. Well, well. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> just strange. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, if anybody Jesus. if anybody knows anything, drop us a line. Please tell me what you think might be happening. Our email address is what do you know gtown at gmail dot com. Um, there you go. I'd love to hear your thoughts. They're uh, porch furniture heroes. Right. They do good around the neighborhood. Also, watch out for your yard signs. There is a rogue sign stealer on a bicycle Mm. uh, riding up to people's front yards and stealing signs of all kinds. Um, This particular poster said it was uh, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they have had um, school signs, like, you know, the open house school signs kind of thing go missing. Um, They've also had like, you know, Black Lives Matter signs yanked out of their yards, um, some other yard signs they had. So just just heads up. People are taking signs. Who knows why? You said so the guy's on a bike? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they caught him on a ring cam. I was going to say, I mean, you're on a bike, probably not too many places to tuck a yard sign away. So it wouldn't be too hard to spot that person. It's true. My thinking is they went and probably reseeded those signs somewhere else. But, you know, which is, you know, I guess, okay. Like porch <laughs> furniture? Right. <laughs> Maybe it's the same guy or girl. I don't know. Mysterious. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, in the vein of things showing up. And then the last one I want to talk about is actually this is the most commented on one of the ones I found this week. Um, and 
the person who posted this started off by posting this in all capitals. Now, I have to say this about making a post with all capital letters. There's no way to read this and not feel like you're being shouted at, right? <laughs> like if you read something that's in all caps. That's usually why people, when, when they're typing in caps. Right. They're... You feel like I am being yelled at about this. Okay. Yep. So that immediately set the tone for this post, which I think is what fueled the, how many comments does it have now? The 61 comments that are now on it. Mm. Um and 123 neighbors who have responded to it because uh, it's in all caps. Basically, it says this. Proposed ordinance for, it says, no, it doesn't say proposed. It says propose. Propose ordinance for the city of Philadelphia. Add house numbers on rear of all houses in Philadelphia. The city will provide self-stick house numbers, black three-inch height, to each house for free. Purpose of rear house numbering is to assist the fire department, police, neighborhood leaders, in easier locating of property in case of fire, crimes being committed, assist the elderly, lost person, suspected arsonist, fear, oh, terrorist, destructive persons or groups, lost pets, vacant properties, invaded by drug peddlers from out of state, those who don't remove the snow, unclean properties, those who don't clean up after their dog, for a peaceful, clean, and orderly Philadelphia. <laughs> and that that I just read you is an all caps, every oh word of it. That sounds like a goody two shoe wrote that. Right? So you can imagine <laughs> the responses. There's no place in Philadelphia for goody two shoes. Well, the problem is this it wasn't clear from the beginning if he was saying he was proposing this, right? Or if he was saying this was a thing, right? Because he says the city will provide free, you know, this, this is what's happening. So some of these posts are like, yeah, sign me up. That's great. Where do I go? Where do I go to pick up my numbers? Where do I go to do this? Philadelphia is not providing you <laughs> numbers for your house. And so then others the of your house. Right. And so then others are responding exactly that. Like this is, this is a proposal. Other people are like, why are you shouting at me about this? <laughs> and then somebody else is like, it's already a law. You're supposed to have numbers on the back of your house. Now, this is the back of your house where there's an alley, right? Do you remember like on Sedgwick where we had a garage, which you would come right. to do the back. So, you know, they're right. In some cases, getting upstairs to the front of someone's row house in particular sometimes can be quite difficult. Like how many stairs do we have getting up? You couldn't get a gurney up there with ease, right? But you might be able to get into the back through a garage or through a door there. That might be easier. Mm -hmm. But if there's no house number on the back, how do you pull into an alley and know what house is what without having to send somebody around, figure it out, radio it in? Like, right, that could, that could cost valuable time. I, I agree with the concept. Sure. I don't agree with the all capitals. <laughs> and and also, I, mean, I, I don't necessarily think that it's not suggested that that be done. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this person had a bad experience, like something happened to someone they know where, you know, the police or the fire department couldn't get to them because there wasn't a number on the back of the house. It could be. Again, I, I, it, it just sounds like an opinionated neighbor to me. Well, a lot of comments say things like another waste of taxpayer dollars in Philadelphia, um, of everything going on, banning plastic bags and, and numbering your home in the alleyway as a priority over fighting crime, question mark. 
right? Like it's it, everyone's kind of on on both sides of this. Mm. Um, you know, then comments, nobody is making you do this. It's voluntary. <laughs> like I mean, just go out to Home Depot if you really want. They've got numbers that you can buy either decals or signage that you can put on your home if you really wanted to. Right. So I, I feel like my stance is it 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 should be something that's encouraged. I think it's a good idea. I think people should put numbers on the back of their home, particularly if that's a way to, to get into the house, to know, you know, whose house is who in an alleyway. I don't necessarily think it needs to be there for people who don't mow their grass or pick up after their dog or any of those things mm -hmm. that the person listed in this post. I think for the fire department, I think that's great. I think for, you know, if you need the police, also good. Like, I think there are ways and reasons why that would be good. Again, I think this person came at it the wrong way and then missed his target audience. Like, I don't know where they landed. There's so many people who are like, I'm into this, but other people who are like, how dare you? I mean, um, you're posting on social media in the first place. <laughs> what what kind of reaction do you expect to get? Well, especially when you use all capitals, right? <laughs> like I said, it really set the tone. So I guess the lesson to be learned here is... Um, if Don't you put things in all caps? Yeah, if, if you have a good idea for the good of the community... Uh, think about how exactly you present it to the community. Just say no. If you don't to want caps. it to fall on deaf ears. So, yes, always say no to all caps. That's never a good idea. Just say no. Never. <laughs> That's all I got from the neighborhood today. <laughs> Exciting stuff. So, what is our main topic for today, Mary Angela? Well, today, because it is the first or second, sorry, second weekend or week of December, I thought we would talk about the holiday season oh. and all the joy it supposedly brings. So <laughs> it doesn't bring you joy? Is that what you're trying to say? It tends to be chaotic and rushed and commercialized and in your face. Bye, bye, bye. And the moment uh, Halloween is over, it seems like a lot. Oh, <laughs> well, that's kind of like how things have been. It's yeah, true. No, it's just, I mean, holidays in general just are overly commercialized but uh christmas in particular is like the top of the pyramid when it comes to monetizing on holiday cheer i wonder if when i was younger i just didn't notice it like i notice it now because i'm the one being marketed to right as a child you sort of are being marketed to in the sense of like you know, they want to know what you want. Right. So they want to, like, get those toys in front of you on Saturday morning cartoons. So you tell your mom and dad, that's what I want you to buy me for Christmas or I want to tell Santa Claus or whatever. In the 50s, that's when you had Christmas become a major holiday, commercial holiday. And that's when you had this whole white Christmas theme. You had Christmas music. And that's what I think really it kind of flipped and became more of a commercial holiday and it's just progressively gotten worse over the years. Yeah. Like a snowball. It's just picking up steam, picking totally. up traction, getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it's just running us over. So I really wanted to dig in and find out like, how did all of this get started and what has happened? And, and there are people who I know get really angry about Christmas decorations coming out as soon as Halloween is over. <laughs> um, and but yet it doesn't stop it from happening, you know, but but people have strong, strong feelings about it. Um, there are other 
People who are like, Christmas is my favorite time of year. I cannot wait for Halloween to be over so I can bust out all my Christmas decorations. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, they, like, they'll dedicate a whole weekend to stapling lights on the roof of their house. Right. You know, all of that. So I, d- I did some research, and uh, of course, and I dug in to a couple things. The first thing I dug into, because I really started thinking about it a lot, is the concern over saying things like Happy Holidays or Merry Xmas with the X instead of Christmas. And for me, I think my stance on Happy Holidays is being inclusive of all the holidays that surround this time of year. And for me, that's Thanksgiving, that's Christmas, that's Hanukkah, that's um, Kwanzaa, that's New Year's Eve. I mean, there's a lot of holidays all together. So I feel like Happy Holidays is a very inclusive statement. Or... Happy Hanukkah-wanzimus. <laughs> That's just a lot of words. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah? <laughs> right, no, it's too much. It's too much. But I know people who, if I say happy holidays, they'll, like, correct me. They'll be like, it's Merry Christmas, or I say Merry Christmas, or none of this happy holidays, it's Merry Christmas. And I'm like... Well, that's not very inclusive because that leaves out a lot of holidays that are happening right now. Maybe I'm wishing you happy holidays. May all of your holidays be happy. Like, so I don't know. What do, what do you think about the phrase? I don't know. Happy I holidays? think those people are the anti-vaxxers too. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because I grew up Jewish, right? And Hanukkah really is not a major Jewish holiday. However, in the wake of how big Christmas has become, I think to be inclusive, there's this attention given to Hanukkah, like, oh, it's Festival of Lights. And I, you know, I think some people kind of know the story behind it. Most not really. They just know, hey, look, there's a candelabra and we light it. Yeah, that's cool. Let's sing some songs and spin some dreidels. But in Judaism, a lot of the holidays are just celebrating uh, our ancestors. And though it's important to remember what had transpired between the Maccabees and, you know, uh, reclaiming the the temple and all that. Uh, there are a lot of other Jewish holidays that have, I think, more significance to them. And the whole idea of gift giving during Hanukkah, that's something, again, that's probably unique to the U.S. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for other countries, but even in the U.S., I don't think Hanukkah was a gift-giving thing. It was, you know, a celebration of eight days that the uh, the oil lasted, and uh, someone decided, "Hey, you know what? We should give gifts. <laughs> we need gifts." Well, who doesn't like gifts? Who doesn't? Because even a lot of the Christmas traditions from many other countries all surround around gifts, right? So it kind of makes sense. This yeah. is the time of year where you give gifts. So. The X in Xmas, do you know how that got started or where that comes from? I don't know. I, I always thought it was like similar to the, the XOXO that you sign on a card when you when you send something to someone to say I love you. But clearly it's not. So please enlighten me. If it were that, I could see people getting quite upset about it. People get upset about it because they feel like it's taking the word Christ out of Christmas, right? And Christmas is supposed to be this holiday that surrounds the birth of Christ. So they get really sort of bent out of shape because obviously it seems like you're replacing it with an X, like you said. Like it's an XO, a hug, a kiss, or what is that? But it, it, It's a hug mass. Right. <laughs> but, but it's not. 
X is actually the Greek letter chai, which is the first letter in the Greek word for Christ. And this using the X. Is it chai or chai? Or chai, I guess. it's. I mean, you can say it either way. It's chai, chai, it's C-H-I. Either way. I think you, it's chai. You pick your, your You're right. Some people say Hanukkah. Tomato, say tomato, Chanukah. right. It's C-H-I. Okay. So back in the year 1021 this AD. This is going back. Yes, 10, 1021 AD, monks started using the Greek letter for Christ because parchment was very expensive, right? And if you're trying to write things like the Bible or other texts that you're trying to, you know, transpose right. and it's get like down. It's like shorthand. Exactly. You start using this letter to to do that. And that is kind of where it got its start. <laughs> hmm. And then got carried over into many other things. So, you know, if you're saying Merry Xmas, or you're writing Merry Xmas, like, you know, signing a thousand Christmas cards and you're like, I'm tired of writing Merry Christmas. And you put the X in there. It's, I don't think you're necessarily being disrespectful. Like, wow. But you're shorthanding Save myself those the word. four extra letters. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. I just thought that was very interesting. That is interesting. I mean, yeah, it's just one of those little factoids. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, I just thought people were just lazy. Right. <laughs> nope, 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 not it. But Good to know. Yeah. So... I was wondering sort of why did it rub people so much the wrong way if it was, you know, this? Is it that they don't know? Is it this? But there was a writer um, named Matthew Schmitz who kind of summed it up really well. It said the cultural, religious, communal traditions we see as especially embodied by Christmas have been undermined by the rise of commerce and the cult of efficiency, (laughs) the desire to get from point A to point B in the shortest possible route. Irrespective of the charms of traditional byways, fuels our mania for abbreviation. The hatred for Xmas, then, may stem in part from an innate suspicion of the attempt to render all things ancient and beautiful modern, cheap, and sleek. Hmm. Right? And I was like, oh, yeah. Well, when you put it that way, it does kind of bother me. Like, like, why are we rushing? Why can't we write out the word Christmas? I want to come up with a dictionary of abbreviations for every sort of holiday iconic thing. Like, we'll just, you know, skip Rudolph altogether. Just call him like Little R or Big Red. <laughs> right. Or something. Right. No, it's, Big Red would be Santa Claus. It's a good, it's a good point. Just Big Red. Like the chewing gum. <laughs> well, now that you bring up Santa Claus, when we talk about the commercialization of Christmas, we are talking about how many times we see... The man in the red suit, or we see one of our favorite characters dressed up as the man in the red suit on TV. I mean, the story of the Grinch, for goodness sake. Here was a guy who hated Christmas. And what did he do? He dressed up like the man in the red suit. Right. (laughs) Right. So what do you know about the man in the red suit? What do you know about the What do I know about the man in the red suit? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because depending on, say, what country you're, you're from, you'll have a different story completely behind a Santa Claus or St. Nick or whatever you call them. I know, and this is a very interesting little factoid, because I have a friend of mine who's from the Netherlands, and Santa Claus isn't really this guy in a big red suit. He, He is strictly a religious figure, and he looks very godly. He's sort of dressed like a priest. And on the flip side, you have this character which some folks may be familiar, maybe not, called Swarty Pete. Swarty meaning black, Black Pete. And you might know where I'm going with this, but 
yeah, it's totally racist and intentionally so. If you dig further back into uh, Danish history, the the Danes and the Spanish had a lot of conflict, and uh, the the Spanish being of darker skin, Moorish. The the Danes created this character, Swarty Pete, as a uh, basically um, a reflection of of that that Moorish character, and they pitted him as a bad guy. So uh, where Santa Claus, or I don't know what what they call him in the Netherlands, but you know he's this benevolent character, this religious character, Swarty Pete. He's he's this devilish figure, dark skinned, curly haired, and up until recently, like within the past decade. You had Danish folks as part of celebrating the holiday would go around and, and literally dress up in blackface. They put black makeup on their face. They put a curly haired wig. And finally, enough people said, uh, this is racist. We've got to stop this. And like even up to the prime minister level, they, they were like, no, 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 this is just tradition. And then people went, oh, our tradition is racist. <laughs> yeah. And so they don't they, they call them. um what do they call him? They don't call him Swarty Pete anymore. It's it's something different. And his whole look, the character still exists, but it's been modified. But anyway, I yes. took the conversation in a totally different direction. No, that's okay. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I am going to touch on that a little bit, but not not quite in the direction you went. So thanks for, for sharing that. The Santa Claus that we know now, the modern Santa Claus depiction basically, is based on three traditions primarily okay it's okay. the historical saint nicholas the english figure of father christmas and the dutch figure of sinterklaas that's where you're getting from for the, for the netherlands right. sinterklaas was his name but it wasn't until 1823 when the poem a visit from saint nicholas which we all know is twas the night before christmas mm -hmm. um, became popularized that people started identifying him as this, you know, round cheruby man who brings joy and gifts to the children and rides reindeer and things like that. But if you look at each one of the contributing factors of our traditional Santa Claus, if we start with St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas was a fourth century Greek Christian bishop. So this would be where you get the one dressed as a priest, right? right? Why in the Netherlands, this man is dressed as a priest. And he was famous for his generous gifts to the poor. Mm -hmm. And that was what he did. He was very religious. So usually he's portrayed, you know, as a bearded bishop in priestly robes, right. as you mentioned. Yep. Father Christmas, who dates back to 16th century England and the reign of Henry VIII, because what happened under Henry VIII? Do you remember? Uh, he killed all his wives. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> he also did away with the Roman Catholic Church in England and formed right. the Church of England. That's right. Right. So he's not going to stick to this St. Nicholas situation, right? Because he's like, eh, I got to like separate myself out. So he comes up with... New marketing strategy. Pretty much. And uh, thus we get Father Christmas. And Father Christmas is sort of based in his own image. He's a round, jolly fellow, but he's known to be dressed in like green robes and green. You know, yes, green. Interesting. And, you know, sometimes a, a laurel kind of wreath in his hair, things like that. We sort of identify Father Christmas as who's depicted in Charles Dickens as a Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas present. Right. That's who he's kind of based on. Yes, was yes. Father Christmas. Yep. Then 
in the Dutch, Belgian, and Swiss folklore in the Netherlands and Belgian, Santa Claus basically competes with that of Sinterklaas, which is based on St. Nicholas as well. So it's kind of a hybrid in the middle, Sinterklaas sort of is. And as you mentioned, um, St. Nicholas, Sinterklaas, has two assistants called Zwarte Pieten, that's in Dutch, or Pierre Futard in French. So they're not elves, but they're mischievous. Yes. They are the ones who, you know, if you're bad, come and steal the toys or don't give you toys or. So I thought Swarty Pete, because I've heard different stories, but like kind of went a step beyond almost like. Like he kidnaps the bad kids and stuffs them in a sack, kind of it, thing. Right. I mean, there there are some <laughs> there are some uh, legends and folklore that that address it that way, and that speaks to what you were talking about, which is how you take a tradition and you take folklore and you sort of craft it to your society. As you mentioned, the Moors were they were not looked on kindly for whatever reason, and so it was a way of sort of social oppression for the most part, if you can make them the bad guy, right? Oh, yeah. Then everybody is against them. Subversive racism. Correct. Yeah. So um, you are correct that uh, they finally woke up and were like, we're not doing that anymore. That's a terrible thing to do. Let's stop that. So yay for that. <laughs> there were some other fun things I found when I was doing my research. Things about Christmas Eve rituals in the United States and Canada were pretty much the only place that leaves a glass of milk and a plate of cookies for the intended Santa Claus to consume. Mm -hmm. In Britain and Australia, they leave sherry or beer. Nice. Uh, and or and or mince pies. In Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, it's common for children to leave him rice porridge with sugar and cinnamon. And in Ireland, it's possible to leave a Guinness or milk along with Christmas pudding or mince pies. That sounds about right. So, I mean, Santa's getting a lot of good meals. It, it sounds to me like he gets all the good stuff over in Europe and then comes to America for cookies. <laughs> <laughs> for dessert. I'm doing this. It's fine. Um, in Hungary, St. Nicholas comes on the night of the 5th of December, and the children get their gifts the next morning, and they get sweets in a bag if they were good, and a golden-colored birch switch if not. <laughs> mm -hmm. But on Christmas Eve, little Jesus comes and gives gifts for everyone. So that's what's interesting about Europe. In Europe, they basically get two Christmases. Wow. Because on the 5th, they, you know, the children get to celebrate their Christmas, but then on Christmas Eve... Everybody gets to celebrate gifts for all. So even if you've been bad, you still get a gift, huh? On Christmas Eve. To go with your to go with your switch. Yes. <laughs> if, if that's what you got. Man, that sounds like an American thing to do. Go cut me a switch. Been misbehaving. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that in two seconds because the next piece is talking about how um Santa got kind of pushed into sort of this commercialization and Santa Claus has started showing up in malls and department stores. Right. Yeah. That's when they were in like, the Woolworths. yeah, this is, this is a thing where you can come now and, you know, his function was to promote toys, to promote gift giving, to promote purchasing gifts, um, to get children excited about Christmas. See so Santa they would, at the five and dime. Yeah. They would bother their parents for gifts. Oh um, yeah. One thing, I thought was really interesting about that, though, is that there is a bit of controversy about deceiving children uh, about Santa Claus. So spoiler alert, if you're listening 
and your child turn off the radio. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure there are no kids listening. There, to our there show. are some people who who do or do not believe in Santa, so I don't want to burst any bubbles. <gasps> but um, what I what I really wanted to mention was that there there is a lot of uh, psychologist data out right now about what deceiving your children and believing that he's real um, can can do. You traumatize your child. Well. <laughs> It it's weird because I mean it's a think about it's, you're, you're you're telling a story about some big guy who's gonna come into your house, break into your house, bring <laughs> gifts, eat your food, and then leave. Well, okay, there's that. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, but one of the big things they talked about was that you know imaginative play is so crucial for children, right? Mm-hmm. Pretending like we pretend superheroes are real, and we pretend you know a lot of things, and that's very crucial. So if you present Santa Claus as imaginative play, right? It's a it's a thought, it's an image, it's a, you know, then then that's healthy. It's when you instill this no, he is a real person and oh, you are making him mad. Oh, you are going to be in trouble. He is going to, you know, like you're not getting anything this year because he is free like you're really because then eventually the child is going to grow up and like all of us discover the truth and it can be incredibly they're going to go commit some crimes in a Santa suit. <laughs> right. It could be, could be damaging. So it says typical objections to presenting Santa Claus as a literal real person rather than a story or um, imaginary is that, you know, number one, lying is normally bad. <laughs> so if you're a, an adult lying, lying to your child, bad. how, how do you good. expect your child to understand that? Um, that parents intentionally lying to their children promotes distrust. Oh, yeah. And you don't um, say that it promotes selfishness, greed and materialism. Hey, that's the that's, that's the American way what that it associates about? good behavior with being materially rewarded with presents from Santa Claus and that tricking your children into believing falsehoods interferes with the development of critical thinking. Uh, are, yeah, I would. Those are the 100 percent agree with that. Yeah. But I mean, I'm a child at heart and I still like to watch the Santa tracker. On Christmas Eve, it makes me happy. The Santa Tracker? Oh, I'm so sorry that you don't know what the Santa Tracker is. Do you not know what the Santa Tracker is? You're talking to a bona fide Jew here. (laughs) So the Santa Tracker is something you can find online now, but you used to be able to find it on well, actually I think you can still see it on TV sometimes. Is this like Santa Spotters? Is this like waves? It's where like people radar. Like... It's radar. It's they tell you where he's at. You Ugh. track Santa all night. You can know. So kids can watch and see that he's just left Canada and he's coming for the US. And so then you gotta be like, oh I better hurry on up and get to bed because the Santa Tracker says Santa's coming. Like it's it's very magical and it's sweet. And again, mm. I understand that it's imaginative play, but it's imaginative play that I really like. Oh, that's so, cute. You know, while there's a lot of things about the commercialization of Christmas that I don't enjoy or that I wish were different, particularly in our country, there are a lot of things that I think make it very special and very magical and and I do enjoy it. So there's that. We're going to start a Maccabee. That's radar. what I got. <laughs> I don't think that. Uh, that do they fly really around? Do we well, need to leave think. food out? What do we leave out? Latkes? Huh? <laughs> I said, what do we leave out? <laughs> latkes? Yes. Latkes. <laughs> That's, That's the best part. <laughs> Potato and onions. I mean, what, what more do you want? And fried in oil. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm hungry. All right. Well, 
We're going to take a break? Yeah, we're going to take a, a quick break here uh, and come back with our musical guest. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you have any ideas, thoughts, questions, comments about the holidays or any Santa Claus stories or, or Hanukkah stories or Kwanzaa stories, whatever, any holiday-related type content that you want to share with us, please feel free to reach out to us. Yes, we're on Instagram and Facebook at all one word. What do you know about that? Or you can email us at what do you know, gtown at gmail.com. You're listening to 92.9 FM G Town Radio. All right, so now it's time for who are the musicians in your neighborhood? All right, make some noise. <laughs> we got Dirty Soap in the house uh, featuring Spoon Ferguson. Yes, front and center. Can we just do like a quick round of introductions for everybody? Just yeah, so tell that... us who you are, how long you've been in Philly, where you're yeah. from, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, Thomas Martin. I actually met Spoon in high school. Yeah, we went uh, right outside uh, in like O'Hara, Cardinal O'Hara in Marple. So uh, yeah, we met there. Uh, we've been living in Philly for like 15 years almost now. But uh, yeah, been here ever since like right after high school, been playing together forever. And uh, this will be our second album. Yeah, excited to be here too. Awesome. Yes. And I'm Spoon Ferguson. I play the acoustic guitar and sing the songs of time. We write all the songs and, you know. My name is Bob Gilroy. I play bass. Uh, I didn't go to high school with these guys. <laughs> where are you from, Bobby? Yeah, where are you I'm, from? I'm from Scranton, PA. I moved to Philly in 2015. And uh, I met these guys. Uh, I don't even really remember when, but. He was, was kind like, of playing on the scene. Yeah, and like opening Being for them. Being on the same bills, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I joined in 2020. It's like a, uh, we were working together, and uh, they were the only two people I would see during COVID. Just get picked up and dropped off. So we would just like jam when we, were, when we had the time. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, that's a big move from Scranton to Philly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a bad move. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, very different. <laughs> Bob yeah. runs the music scene over in Brewery Town. No, I yeah. don't. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Him and his buddy from Scranton just took over. Yeah, lots of block parties. Book all the there. gigs, block <laughs> parties, part of the Gerard Avenue Street Festival every year where we get to play. And, like, the, you know, it gets bigger and bigger every year. Yeah. Very trying cool. To get, trying to get something. I think there's other Bob who mostly plans the events. Um, I think he's trying to get something in spring at some point, but it's still up in the air. Other Bob. Other Bob. Band. <laughs> he's. <laughs> I mean, he plays with us a little now, but uh, on the record, actually, uh, drumming, we have Walter Foley, who's not here today, and uh, Sean Tuhill played a lead guitar on it. He's not yeah. here today. And then uh, Shane Letty played on some songs, too. And uh, yeah, all those guys, we're very thankful to have them. Yeah. Lots of talent we have around us. Got very lucky. 30, 30 subs, a big family. There's yeah. a bunch of people helping out. Very cool. So, so where exactly did you guys meet in Philly and started the project? Me and him were right outside. Actually, in high school, I was uh, doing my own CDs when I was like 17. And that was back when, like, you would go somewhere and actually get, like, a CD. And I would come to school, and he first saw that, kind of thought it was cool. Like, oh, he's making his own music. Yeah, Tom was, like, yeah. handing out CDs in the hallway. And I was like, who yeah, is this yeah. guy? And people are going along. <laughs> and my first gigs, like, they let me play at the end of, like, classes at the end of the year. Like, my oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they'd yeah. be like, we have nothing to teach, and I have my guitar, so they let me play. And so, I... uh, yeah, me and Tom started busking. We would come down yeah. from my, like, apartment outside, like, West Philly. And yeah. we would take the L and come down and busk. And then play the open mics. Yeah, go to like Rittenhouse Square and stuff and just yeah. set up and see what we can make. It was like 2010. Buy a bottle with the money we made. And 2013. <laughs> have a little party. And then in 2013, we got Shane on bass and Walter Foley on drums. And we just started like, you know, 
gigging and you know doing whatever we could and then 2018 we put out the first record right yeah i mm-hmm. saw that so you, and you guys got a, a, a quite a number of tunes on that first album for sure man 12, yeah 12 tracks 12 on that track yeah and then you got 20 on this on your new release <laughs> right, right? Yeah. so this just so the next us- album will be 40 just by <laughs> <laughs> that 80, how our pattern's going now that 80 track one's gonna be tough <laughs> we can't possibly Start do all of our now. songs yeah we, <laughs> we kept calling it the double record even though it all still fits <clears throat> on one cd <laughs> yeah right no matter yeah, how many right. tracks you write they're like it can all go on one it's a really <laughs> big cd <laughs> right so I have taken a listen to not only this CD, um, which I'm gonna ask you guys a few questions about in just a second, but your 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 prior album, and it's it's interesting because just I mean there's a again there's a lot of tunes and they all kind of span the spectrum of influences. So can you guys maybe tell me a little bit about what has influenced your writing? Where where do you draw your inspiration from musically? Yeah, we actually have a tough time every time people are like, "What do you play?" We're always like. Uh, <laughs> like, and we probably should hone in a little bit. We like to say doo-wop punk because of our uh, live shows. We have a lot of that element. Like, it's kind of like speed through. We're off to the races, like pretty quick. But we still have those sing-songy melodies. Yeah, real um, doo But yeah, on the record, I know it spans. And every time we write, we kind of leave it free to that. We go, if you're feeling it and it does fit that pocket, just go for it and let's write it and let's, you know what I mean, and see what comes of it. Rather than try to go, no, we have to hone back and be this one thing. And on the new album too, I think we even more tried to go. Yeah, I think we hit, we hit, we hit more see. genres on this album than right. the first. So it's only getting more and more difficult. I think, <laughs> like I grew up listening to blues and just wanting to write blues music and play hardcore blues. And Tom grew up like Beatles and some of Motown, and yeah, we kind of just silly soul stuff clashed, and we're like that. And it kind of is just like it's an energetic ball. It's kind of like the Kentucky Derby if you come to a show. <laughs> Once like, as soon as the gun off. goes off, it's just like a race to the finish. Yeah. No, I totally hear that because there's a couple tunes where I can hear you guys are playing like a shuffle feel in there. Mm-hmm. And it has a very, like to me, it kind of, some of those tunes harken back to just some like really old rootsy rock, like 60s kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. like what we love, man. Yeah. All that 50s and 60s stuff, even 70s, you know, just old school rock and roll. Yeah, no digging it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there's a track with the ukulele. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just softens up out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I wrote that yeah. with the bass player. Shane that was really from the fun first to album. record too. We had a lot of fun. The percussions on that. We just kind of sat down with our drummer and just brought everything out. Like, there's a he's shaking just ice in a glass on that, putting little bongos yeah. in the back. Recorded like, some yeah. ice cubes. That was really to cool to sit down, just layer it up because we were like the song really only had lyrics and a ukulele. We're like, what else can we do with this? Yeah, it and, sounds like driftwood yeah. floating against the dock. Right, it's really ice cubes hitting the glass. That's really cool. And rare that we go, let's just focus in on the drum. You know, normally you're trying to fill that in with the guitar yeah. or something else. Went, let's just make that percussion. Like, yeah, it's cool. Very yeah, cool. U- ukulele song, one of my favorites. So, Where'd you guys end up? So, so okay, just to quickly introduce the album. This is Front and Gerard. You guys just released this this November. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you guys end up recording the album at? Uh, Jesse Gimble's basement. Jesse Gimble's a friend of mine. I was actually in a band with him called... Uh, crazy moon back in the day this is my fourth album with him and my second with dirty soap but yeah we just have a nice communication with him he's really good i recommend anyone go to him if you're trying to make your sound just really like hone it in he helps you with it he sits down with different instruments kind of helps you find out what you want from it and he's just really open really easy guy to talk to and uh yeah I, i give him a lot of credit on it like sitting down with him those are my most fun days when we have all the material and just seeing him go to work with where we can piece things 
how we can get another sound in without clashing. Like mm-hmm. he's he's really good with all yeah, that. Yeah, he's based out of Upper Darby. Jesse Gimble's Basement is the name of the company. Right. And then, um, not only did he produce and engineer, he he played that slide guitar you hear on ukulele song. He played a bunch of keys, did a little like a you know percussion on twelve, fifteen songs. You know, I lost track. <laughs> right. But, you yeah. Know, he, he makes sure everything is done. Very quick cool. and professional. Mm-hmm. So I really want to know about the name. Dirty Soap? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, to me, band names, like, draw me in, and yeah. I always know there's a story, so I really need to know. Yeah, I think Spoon's the one who officially came up with it. Yeah, but... it's, uh, I guess, I got the dirty voice. Here we go. Yeah. I got, and I'm I have the dirty the part, voice. and yeah, Tom's yeah. Soap, so oh. it's Dirty Soap. I like it. Yeah. I like yeah, it a so lot. That's yeah. And then the oxymoron of it we always liked. Yeah, originally. Tagline always is, when are you clean when the soap's dirty? Yeah, when we were, <laughs> when we were originally busking, when we were busking, it was the Dirty Soap Blues Band. And I think yeah. we would go out, and I think we would only play Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis <laughs> and we John really Lee Hooker's on. Boom, Boom, Boom. We would nice. like, yeah. That would be just like two songs that we would busk and try to get as much money as possible. Yeah, and then slowly we're like, we're not doing only blues. And then I was also like, Dirty Soap Blues Band makes you think you might just be going to see like, a typical like yeah, jam and blues band. We, we had right. to drop the We're blues like, band. Not really what we do. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, that was the start. That's cool. Yeah, you know it's interesting because we we actually had on our first episode. I don't know if you know Alan James and Deb Callahan, but they are blues artists. They're actually right here in the neighborhood. I, Alan used to live right down the street from us, right. but they oh, just, awesome. they do straight ahead blues. And we were talking about how Philly is. It's kind of a challenging scene for for blues music. Right. So yeah. I mean, granted, it kind of like it's it's inclusive of everything, but you don't really hear a whole lot of blues. Yeah, you don't hear like a pocket for yeah, it. Really, would, you might hear a musician pop up here or there, but right, it doesn't yeah. really have a. I would like Warm Daddy's. Warm Daddy's was the spot I would go to. Yeah. to see yes. They're, you know, they're, Are they? Do they have another place here? They're closed, man. They, they're yeah, they shut down. Yeah, that would be my spot. Now. <laughs> when I when I turned twenty one, I was going there every weekend just to eat up as much blues music as I could and. You know, taking in all these old dudes were like hitting the road, like sunny roads, and I don't know. Um, That's where my cousin Rob Perna would always go. Yeah, though. yeah, Warm Daddy's was a big it spot. It was great. Yeah, and, uh, I guess now, and yeah, I think we even went to a spot on Germantown, uh, Roses or La Roses. It's on like uh, it's right over by the um, by the uh, studio by G Town. But um, yeah, I would see uh, Frank Bay and the Swinging Blues Band there. Really? Yeah, yeah. A local guy I knew played with them and just good blues. Music. Do they do they still have live music there? It honestly, when I went there, it was like um they were catering and they were doing dinner and music and it was like a catering hall. It, it's not like a venue. It was just like this blues dude came through town and that's the spot he always played. Oh wow. It was really low key. It was Interesting. Cool. Yeah, it was like a ballroom, but yeah. It's more just a catering hall. I don't know. Interesting. Hmm. So if you were to go out if I, if I were to step out my front door and wanted to check you guys out. Where have you guys played, or where could or I where catch are you, you guys? Going to be playing? Yeah, oh, yeah. We've that's actually a good been moving around a little bit recently because we had a little tour down to North Carolina. We played um Carolina Indie Fest and then came back, hit like Maryland, Delaware in between. Uh, but normally around here, like the fire, we love. That's where we cut our teeth. Yeah. So yeah, we even had the album released there. There's a video on a love story, Philadelphia, the title track. Actually, we recorded that there. It's like a a really fun scene just a lot of different types of people and a lot of different genres and that's yeah. a fun place to go i think that's also a big influence on us when we got to philly going there like... and seeing oh there's all these ways to do it and it's the competitiveness too is seeing oh like i gotta catch up to that i gotta catch up to this little yeah. trick i gotta 
So it was really fun starting. Yeah, and, uh, we love Dawson's, uh, Dawson Street in the Grape Room. Yeah, we play there all the time. One. We love that. Um, That's where I met Ian for the. Play. But yeah, but uh, this Saturday we'll be playing at College, uh, or Collegeville at uh, Troubles and Brewing, Saturday, December eleventh. Yeah, it'll be so, our second gig there. First one went really good. They get a packed house like every time. It's, it's oh, cool it's spot. awesome. Yeah, yeah, we're playing nine to midnight. Play all night, two sets, and uh, we'll be playing the L Bar on New Year's Eve. So. You can come see us at the L Bar or Saturday, December 11th. We'll be at Troubles End Brewing in Collegeville, PA. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, like, so I was a frequent Dawsoner. Okay. Nice. And I was yeah. going to say, like, you guys look familiar. Yeah. We did a, that was our first time doing three sets, too, that Halloween one, yeah. which is fun because it was like our first test of can we get how, how many songs are we going to screw up, basically? <laughs> and then <laughs> learning, hours, like, okay, huh? we got to get that down. Like, yeah, that was a good one. That was the Halloween show. I think that was our first time doing three sets. Yeah, That's I haven't cool. been to the open mic in a minute. How, uh, how have they been doing? Well, they haven't started the open mic back up yet. Um, okay. You know, I talked to Russ and... What uh, was the night for the open mic? It was Wednesday night was okay. the open mic. Gotcha. Yeah, so right now they're only doing music f- like Friday, Saturday, and I think they... I don't know if they're doing Sunday afternoon kind of thing, but uh, yeah, eventually it's going to pick back up. But okay, cool. Slowly, Dave is slowly phasing back in. Yeah. Live music. Come on, Dave. Right. I know, I know, right? Uh, He's one of the one of the the, the stragglers. Yeah. We love Dawson's. Totally, one hundred percent. So, one of the questions I really love to ask musicians um, from this area is, "What is your favorite thing, or what do you love most about being a musician in this environment in Philly, particularly the scene here?" What do you like? Oh, yeah, you can go. I think there's just a lot of talented people, um, especially just like people you would never hear of really you could go into some open mics and if you're there at the right time you'll just catch somebody who's phenomenal but for one reason or another they just maybe they work a job or whatever they just don't get to go out and play that much but then you hear them play and it's really cool and really like unique yeah types of people i was gonna say it's one of the few places that i go to play and i know being from here you're always gonna say it's the best but no it's one place where i go like even like the accent of it's not lost like like people play a lot of different things, but there's this feel that I think like is really Philly that kind of bleeds through. And anyone who's been here for five years, I think kind of catches on to it and it's hard to get rid of it. Yeah. Where I think other places I go to, I can feel like, Oh, they're kind of flattened out. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they have all these different genres, but yeah, they're missing a certain thing. That's it's, them. Yeah. It's just Philly, got, it's, I, I can still hear it. It's kind of everyone. spirit. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, and sure. there's just so many people that play that are good. Yeah, and any night has like a good open mic that you can get to. You're gonna see lots of talent. You're gonna be challenged by lots of talent. Yeah, yeah. And you're gonna get better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The better musicians you right. hear play or see play. And I think they have a humor to them too that I like. Everybody I hear yeah. in Philly has a certain humor that I really enjoy. That kind of bleeds bleeds into everything. That, that's all well and good, guys. But my favorite thing <laughs> is, the, is the high when I get off stage when we have a good set. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I feel like I'm floating on clouds. I'm like, crush the set. Yeah, original music is awesome. That's what you like about Philly. Yeah. So I like about <laughs> yeah, being a musician in Philly is the high when I get off stage uh, and we crush gotcha. the set. You could do that anywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, also. But Philly fans are the best. Yeah, that's we, right. yeah. They'll yeah. tell you it's bad yeah. or good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philly crowds are uh, you know, something else. If you want the over. competition, but yeah. like friend friendly competition, the people who crush sets mm-hmm. out there, go on and say it. We love the Shy Boys. Chalk and the Beige Americans, ooh la la, St. James and the Apostles, the Johnny Showcase, the team. Molly Rhythms. Yeah, Molly Rhythms. Like, we do have so many friends that we love to go see and go, oh, man, we know they're going to kill it tonight. Let's go out. You know? Right. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Those are all great reasons. Thank right? you. Yeah. <laughs> so should we get to the uh, featured track? Absolutely. Let's listen to it. <laughs> so like... this is, again, off of the Dirty Soap uh Release in November 2021, Front and Gerard is the name of the album. There's 20 tracks on this album, but there's one track in particular that we are going to be listening today, and that is Mother of All Bombs. Can you tell me a little bit about this track yeah. before we play uh, it? Yeah, I wrote that one. Uh, for like the feel of the song, it was definitely like Philly Soul that I was listening to. There's even some like Hall Notes in there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with like the fast lyric and the catchiness of it. Um, but as the song goes, I wanted to tell a story... And I wanted to like add up correctly. So like even the story, there's a punch, then the other kid hits him with a stick, then the other one comes with a gun, and it ends up being the mother of all bombs. It's that escalation of fighting I wanted to kind of get in. Fist, stick, yeah. gun, bomb. Just yeah, like... and uh, we've and I've written these characters before of uh, Cindy Lou and Evelyn, and they're kind of the yin and yang of the good and the bad, and what they drive out of you, and uh, and then it's just kind of the tragic story how it resolves. Yeah. And Bob's funky bass on this track. Oh, yeah, dude. Which, like, great. the OJs is what I was yeah, going exactly, for, yeah. too. Yeah, a lot of backstabber, yeah. like, esque stuff. Yeah, going on there, like, yeah. my bounce. Or like Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, there's a little brown chicken brown cow going on there. Yeah, right. We got a little faster and funkier on this one. I think Bob is... That was one of the first ones you guys showed me when I started playing with like the new songs. And I was like, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and then there's... Also, so there's a video out for this song as well. Yeah, we did a video, man. And Hannah Taylor is in this video. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So, Good credit there to yeah. say. She got to be Cindy Lou. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. The, yeah, she was great, man. The very very tall hair in that video. Yeah, yeah. and just like, Phenomenal. it kind of looks like a beautiful spring day, but just like a behind-the-scenes thing. These were shot on the two coldest days of the year in January. Oh my! Yeah, and everybody was kind of really you can see our upset at us a little bit. That day. I'm like, hey, let's yeah. look happy. We'd yeah. get like yeah. one thing done and be like, everyone would be back. In People the car, were sitting like, in the no. car until it was their turn to shoot, and then yeah. they would run out and we'd go action, <laughs> torture. <laughs> yeah, they Classic. love it. <laughs> it's called suffering for your art. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully that bleeds through a little bit. <laughs> the whiskey that the whiskey helped. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> keeps you warmer. It thinks you're warm. <laughs> All right, so Dirty Soap, the album is Front and Gerard, and the track is Mother of All Bombs. Check it out. I 
lean. We've been together since 23. We got the means, we got the green. Keep the carpet clean. We went walking out on the scene. To my surprise, in the looking, walking by, we the funny looking guy. Side eye glancing at me. He was ugly, he was bald, had a chewed up jaw. That track kind of stands on its own when you listen to the entire album. Each song has its own unique flavor, and I personally enjoyed Thanks, it. Thanks, so, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you very much. We kind of knew yeah. we had something special when Tom showed us that one. We were yeah, like, it was a fun one kind of immediately yeah. <laughs> to play through. Tell us where we can pick up this album. Uh, it's can. available on all platforms now. So, yeah, anywhere you want to listen, you can listen. Uh, I think we're going to put up on Bandcamp soon because I think we have to do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's but the best place Spotify, to get it for us. iTunes, <laughs> Apple Music. Right. Still, you can get it on YouTube. Anyone's listening to our music. And then uh, we're actually getting 45s pressed that'll be ready in. That's right. I think we're going to have them in the middle of December. So we'll have them for the New Year's Eve gig at the L Bar. But oh, very cool. We're going to have 45s mm. that'll have Mother of All Bombs on the A side. And then Dirty Soap Bus is going to be the B side. Yeah. All right, so Elbar, New Year's Eve, yep. and then you're playing in Collegeville. Anywhere else in Philadelphia, any gigs coming up soon that yeah, we can we'll let listeners the, know about? We'll be at the Ruba Club for, uh, January 7th. I believe it's a Friday. We'll be at the Ruba Club, and then, um, then we're playing Claymont, Delaware on January 15th, and then February 15th we'll be in Phoenixville, PA, and then March 4th we'll be at the Grape Room. So, awesome. And yeah, you have a website? Yeah. Yeah, dirtysoapmusic.com. Dirty Soap Music on Instagram, Dirty Soap Music Facebook, you know. Yeah, that's the place to look up. Basically, Just look up Dirty Soap. That's dirty right. Soap, yeah, you'll find it. Yeah, thank you all so much for taking the time to come well, in and talk to us. Too. It's been so great hey, to meet you. So much. I can't Mary wait Joe, to get out to you. a show. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, yeah. You, you guys have hyped like, me up yeah, now. We, we I'm like, oh, let's go. Pride ourselves on the fun show.
Awesome. We love G-Town Radio. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, though. Thank, Thank you. you.